Hello and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us on yet another sunny day here in the capital. I'm Matthew O'Neill, and today, as always, we ensure that we have a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership. First, we're joined by Gavin Chortle, head teacher at St. James's Church of England Primary School in Manchester. Gavin, hello. Hello, Matthew. Thank you for coming on the show today. Um, we might as well dive straight in. What does the word leader mean to you? Oh, gosh. Um, I think it's a very big word. It means lots and lots of different things. Um, I, I think there's, there's, there's so many different parts, but probably two things that jump out to me is a leader is somebody who um, wants to to show people the way, who knows the way to go. And then the second part is that they're able to convince people to follow them to go with them to that place. Now, how would you describe your personal leadership style? (laughs) I think it's, I always think with questions like that, it's probably better ask, uh, better off asking the staff I work with than me, but, um, but who knows what they would say Uh, for myself. I would like to think I'm a collaborative leader. I would like to think, uh, you know, that, that, that I'm positive. Um, you know, I work hard to try and get the best out of people. Um, and I like to think I value people. And, and uh, again, I think in that first bit that I talk about leadership, for me, it's very important to get to bring people with you. Um, I think leadership, it's no good having all the answers and, and, and knowing what to do if nobody's willing to follow you. Um, I, I, I would like to think I'm the sort of leader that, that listens to people, you know, that tries to bring people with them and, and, and lead in a collaborative and positive way. Now, of course, you lead two very distinct groups of people, your staff and your students. Are there particular challenges dealing with both different types of uh, person or are basically the same? Well, what I'd also say, Matthew, is I'd throw another group in there, which is you've got the parents of the children as well. Um, You know, I find myself, there's really three distinct groups, uh, 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 you know, as you say, staff, children, but you've also got the parents. I think all three par- all three groups need different things from you as a leader, but I do feel that that some of the central you know things that are most important to leadership run the same for all of them, and and in many ways, many ways I think the children are a great bellwether for it because you know one thing is 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 you know children are very straightforward and they're very down the line with you and and. and you know, they will respond to you if you behave in a certain way. And if you behave in a different way, they'll respond very differently. Uh, their filters can often be uh, uh, not quite as developed as, as grown-ups. So, you know, I think that's always a nice way of looking. If you're, if you're, you're if the children are, are with you in that sort of sense, it, it can be a good way of, of, of how you deal with the parents, with, with, with the staff as well. But I think, as I say, I think it, it, you need to approach in different ways, but there are some things that I think are common to all. All of them, all three groups. Now let's wind the clock back a bit. Uh, was there a particular leader in your past that inspired you to be the leader that you are today? I think all the way through my career, I, I've looked at different leaders, and and you know there are some leaders I've, I've I've taken, I've stolen lots from. There are some leaders I've looked at and thought, oh gosh, I wouldn't do it that way, or or, or that's not the sort of leader I want to be. But yeah, there, there there definitely is a leader I worked with, you know, very early in my teaching career, and you know that I just thought was fantastic, was was you know a really really inspiring person, you know, to me at that point in my career, 
and and you know I absolutely have tried to kind of steal things left, right, and centre from 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 you know from him from from what I saw there. Absolutely. Do you feel that you're able to pass those lessons on to your staff and students today? It's something. You know, I've I've now been a head teacher, uh, you know, for 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 seven and a half years. In fact, actually, I just um, um, it, it, it's it's sorry, seven years at the end of uh, at the end of last year. Um, I became a head teacher in January two thousand thirteen, and and one thing over the last it's probably over the last year eighteen months, I've probably started to develop a little bit more confidence in looking at the staff I'm working with and trying to pass on some of that leadership, uh, you know, a little bit more explicitly, you know, being a little bit more explicit about the things I'm doing and, and why I'm doing them and trying to pass those things on. I think certainly for the first few years, it was just, you know, gosh, am I doing it right? And I, I, am I doing what I need to do? And, you know, you still, I certainly do still have those times of, of you know, am, am I right? Have, have I got this right? And, and you know, when I have that period of, of, of self-doubt, it can then be very difficult to sit down and start, you know, passing things on to other people. But but I have over the last year, year, 18 months, I've tried to be a little bit more explicit and say, look, this is what I'm doing and this is why. And, 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 and you know, hopefully that's of some use. Now, with your students, I, I understand that they're primary students, but should one of them want to follow your career path, what advice would you give them at this stage in their life? Oh, what advice would I say? I, I think at, at this point, you know, people who are just starting out, but whether they're children at, at, at primary school age, whether they're, you know, at high school age or even just teachers starting out, uh, uh, you know, in, in the first step of the career, I would be firmly saying to focus on your career, focus on your learning, focus on developing as what you want to be as a career before you start thinking about leadership. One of the things I think is very important as a, as a leader is, is credibility, is, is mm-hmm. you know, knowing what you're talking about and, and, and being able to show people. I, I, I always remember the in footballing parlance, the you know, show us your medals type challenge. You know, have you been there and done it? And you know, I like to think that, that before I was a leader, I had a, a, a you know a number of years as a successful teacher. And and you know, the school I'm a, a leader up, I'm a head teacher here. I, I taught in, you know, I was the, the the assistant head teacher, I was the deputy head teacher, and then before I became head teacher, and so for the staff that I that I was working alongside, they had a few years of watching me in the classroom, in the trenches, as it were, and 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 I feel I was able to show, look, I know what I'm talking about. So I think people who are wanting to start out, you know, very early on, and and have very diff- definite designs on being a leader, I would say focus on your craft first, you know, learn the ropes, show that you're a good teacher before you can start thinking about leading others. Now, if I was to ask you, who would you identify as the greatest leader, living or dead? Oh, now that's an excellent question. Who would I, <laughs> as the greatest leader, living or dead? I, I, I would struggle to answer that with just one person. Mm-hmm. I, I have very much been the person of, 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 you know, throughout my life to take, um, you know, bits and pieces from, from lots of different people. Um, I, I'm a huge football fan. Uh, the government is here laughing at me. Our caretaker here laughs at me. I'm always getting everything down to sports metaphors. But, you know, if, if, if just to take that arena, uh, if you look at, at 
and, and you know, I, 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 Pep Guardiola, his technical knowledge, his commitment to always having the best outcomes, to never compromising. I, I compare that. I love, I love uh, Sean Dyche's leadership at Burnley, the way that he's interested in the group as a whole, the personalities involved, the way people gel. I'm also very interested in politics. Um, you know, I look at, 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 you know, you look at what Tony Blair did uh, for, for, for Labour. I know that in some ways that's a very controversial choice, but I look at what he did in, in Northern Ireland in, in, in the way he secured peace in Northern Ireland. I, my late father-in-law was a, was an MP, Paul Goggins, and, you know, he was a leader in, 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 in many different ways. He, he did a lot of stuff for, for people who suffered with blood cancer and, and, and he really, uh, you know, worked hard to get, you know, support for them and, and the way he would just work tirelessly for, for other people's benefit, not his own, was, was really inspiring. So I'm afraid I'd struggle to pick one person. I, I, I could go on and on and on. You, you, I, I could be here all day talking about that. <laughs> Hillary Clinton, the stuff that she's done. Margaret Thatcher, not particularly my politics but my goodness you know I, I was really interested watching a documentary about her uh, on the BBC a while ago some of the stuff that she did in terms of leadership was just stunning uh, again not to my personal taste but, but in terms of just specifically as leadership uh, you know you have to say it's very impressive so I, I kind of like cherry picking uh, left right and centre um, rather than just one person. Now, unfortunately, our time together is very quickly drawing to its close. But before I let you go, what does the next 12 months have in store for St. James uh, Church of England Primary School? Well, now that is a much easier question to answer. Uh, the next 12 months has in store the same as the last 12 months, the previous 12 months to that, the previous to that, which is we're always looking for ways to get better. Um, you know, you, 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 the, the joy of teaching, the joy of working with youngsters is you've never cracked it. You know, you're always looking for, for sometimes there's small ways of improving things. We've just introduced a new thing with uh, at lunchtime, a little football uh, training, football club type training affair with for some of our boys and girls girls in, in the older children at lunchtime and sometimes it's big you know we're looking at the curriculum how we we teach curriculum we're looking at funding we're you know but but the thing at St. James we're always looking to how can we improve how can we make it better um, you know one of one of the things in my in my early days as a, a head teacher it was just can I get home safe you know can I get home and I haven't d- destroyed the school or I haven't got it in the paper I haven't done anything like that but that very rapidly moved forward to what did I do today that made the school better and and if I can go home every day having done one little thing you know uh, that makes the school better then that's a, a day well spent and so as I say yeah next 12 months is how do we improve how do we get better well Gavin it's been an absolute pleasure discussing leadership with you and I very much hope you come on the program again soon in the future thank you Gavin yeah, an absolute pleasure thank you so much that was Gavin Shortall head teacher at St. James's Church of England Primary School in Manchester. And now, if you haven't heard it before, is Jonathan White's exclusive interview with Sir Jeff Hurst. Uh, we're now joined, uh, though, by former England footballer and still the only man to score a hat-trick in a World Cup final, Sir Jeff Hurst. Uh, thank you very much for coming on today. Uh, You're welcome. You're welcome. Good afternoon. Uh, and perhaps I should uh, start and get it over and done with. I know you must be bored with it and uh, you've probably been asked a thousand times. But when you got out for a duck playing for Essex, uh, Jeff, what was going through your head at the time? <laughs> well, of course, that's not one of the most asked questions I get. Oh, there, there are one or two people who are very familiar um, uh, who do Google me, realise that I did uh, 
score nothing for Essex. Uh, my only game for Essex first team when we played against Lancashire in Liverpool, a place called uh, uh, Egbert in, in, uh, in Liverpool. Many, many years ago, 1962, I think that was. So I didn't, and, um, yes, I didn't really feel it at the time. It was lucky to be playing, <laughs> I guess, there one or two injuries. Um, but the problem that I had was, was really messing about between the two sports. That was very detrimental to me uh, over that period of time, mm. being stuck between the two sports. And I think uh, for those that uh, don't know, there's a there's a, another world that might exist where um, Sir Jeff Hurst was a, a first class cricketer and not perhaps a, a footballer. But um, whether it's business or cricket or or football, obviously the importance of leadership it can't be understated, no matter what form that comes in. When you were at West Ham, uh, Jeff, and when um, Ron Greenwood first uh, uh, came along, he made obviously some pretty radical changes. Was this a man that genuinely inspired confidence uh, the first time you'd meet him? Absolutely. I mean, he, he was simply a, a fantastic uh, coach or teacher, if you like, at the football. And uh, the, the quite always mentioned when we talk about Ron Greenwood, Harry Redknapp, who was played under him and has been very successful as a player and, and the manager over many, many, many years. He and He's come across many coaches, of course, and managers during his time over years, I guess. He would still say that Ron Greenwood is the best coach he had worked with. He'd worked with. So you're very fortunate. I think you, you think you're lucky when you come across if you have a great teacher at school and a great coach as we had in Ron Greenwood. And of course, a great manager in Sir Ralph Ramsey. So to come across people like that of that calibre can have a huge influence on your your career, of course, and, and then your life. And that's that's quite purely the case. Absolutely. And in those early days um, at West Ham, uh, with with a manager like like uh, Ron uh, there, it's also important to have uh, uh, confidence with your other players and of course they become your friends who did you look at to at the time uh, when to inspire confidence in yourself was it more was it Peters I think probably well I was very fortunate to play with the calibre of the players I did again mm-hmm. again extremely fortunate to play with you know, the captain um, of England and West Ham and Martin Peters who was a fantastic player and some, as far as Martin's concerned I think sometimes he didn't quite get the uh, recognition he deserved and what a wonderful player he was. In terms of inspiring confidence, I always probably say that the biggest influence uh, for me, I guess, would be the captain, Bob Noor. Although he was only uh, about eight months older than me, he graduated through the system probably three or four years earlier. He played for England in 62, four years before the final when I played. And so he, he was more looks upon him more as a senior player, if you like, not as a, a guy with the same age group as me. And I looked at how he how he uh, trained, how he acted, how he behaved, and how he played. And so he he would say, I would also say he was a big influence on me. One thing I would say about leadership, uh, what I do, I do understand clearly all walks of life. Leadership is at the top, is absolutely vital for a, a, for a business football team in any walk of life to be successful and it's quite evident I was in the motor trade for a long time as well selling car warranties to car dealerships and you could almost tell when you walked into the business uh, in many of the car dealerships you could almost tell from the moment you walked in 
by initial reaction, people came and welcomed you, that the business was well run or conversely not well run at all. And so I understand the, the, the value and quality of leadership. And that's why I'm very fortunate to be involved in my career in those early days with two, two great leaders in, in Ron Greenwood and, and Alf Ramsey. Absolutely. And um, since you've already uh, brought him up, uh, Jeff, I think it'd be remiss not to go a little bit further with that. But obviously, uh, after uh, oh, at West Ham, your uh, plan came to the attention of uh, South Ramsey. Now, there's a man, I'm sure, when you walked into a room, you knew who was um, in charge. When it came to managing that England team, what was his style like, Jeff? Well, one thing, especially with South Ramsey, he's probably over my life the most powerful influence who, who had on me um, as a person. Um, mm. Naturally, it happens to an extent because he's got your whole career in his hand, whether he picks you for England or he doesn't pick you. It can have a, a great impact on your, <laughs> your career and, of course, your life. But yep. in that era I was involved for six or seven years, he it was quite clear who was the boss. He was quite very, very strict. Probably at a time... At, Maybe overly strict for the time. You probably wouldn't get necessarily get away with it in, in today's football because it's changed dramatically in how you deal with with players then and players now. But he was the most powerful man I came across, and very few people. And he, he was quite ruthless in getting people out who didn't want to be who didn't want to be part of a group, part of a team. It is important that if you've got a group of people, and that's in any walk of life, they're all singing off the same hymn sheet, and you don't have anybody that's griping or moaning about the system. And if you've got people like that in the organisation, one thing I have learned and I've taken on in my life, my family, you've got somebody in a group that doesn't want to be part of it, you, you get them out. And Alf, I think, was was quite ruthless with that in his, in his staff. And I think that's one, thing I, one of the most serious things I think I've learned over a long period of time. And is there, do you think... Uh... A, a specific moment, I'm sure there's probably dozens, but is there a specific moment, if you could uh, perhaps pick right now, that did show those uh, qualities in uh, Sir Alf so uh, sharply? Yes, I think for, for me, certainly, um, I think there are instances of players who you thought would, would be in the team, or certainly in the squad, and surprising they were not. There was no necessary reason for it, but looking mm. back, I do think perhaps they were people that Alf didn't think wanted to be part of the group. Um, so that that's that for me. In terms of my personal view, I think that it looked prior to the um, World Cup that I was going to be playing um, in it only a few games before. I was I was playing and I played with Jimmy Greaves in the game against Yugoslavia only a couple of months before the final. And it looked at that stage as if I was going to be playing in, in the team but uh, in a couple of friendly games more friendly games before the final in Poland and uh, uh, Norway I think in Denmark mm. I didn't I played two of the four games and I probably didn't quite replicate my my form that I'd been showing at West Ham and in the early couple of games for England and he, he left me out in the first game of, of the World Cup against uh, Uruguay he started off with Jimmy Green and Roger Hunt. So I, I had an impact of thinking I at that stage I, like I was going to play and didn't start because of just a lack of form. I didn't play quite well enough to justify my position. And somewhat fortuitously, I only got back into it because of a, a nasty gash to shin um, 
on Jimmy Gray's leg. And I think what you've said there, uh, Jeff, actually does sum that up really well. And more than that, whilst it's important to have that someone in charge with those qualities, it's almost useless if there isn't a strong and unified team behind them. And there really must have been moments, maybe there weren't, but uh, let us know in that 66 competition, the prolonged pressure on all of you, you know, the weight of a nation, did it get to you? Oh, not for me personally, no. I I think, and I don't, uh, not for me, not for a second. I think Mm. I was just happy to be, be involved in the squad initially. Uh, Not at all. I didn't, you're not aware of the magnitude of the occasion, really, looking back out, out. So I never really felt people talk about pressure a lot and it's there and people players talk about people talk about it in life. I didn't really feel necessary to feel any great pressure pressure during the time I was there. And what is also important to say about Alf Ramsey, the people he, he left behind that were left in the squad after he'd moved one or two players out, the squad were uh, a, a bunch of very hard-nosed, professional, uh, top-quality people. And that was, again the leadership that I'll show you, you got people in together that were very, very strong personally. Um, uh, and I think that was part of the success we had. We were very, I always describe our, our group as hard-nosed professionals. Uh, we had some great players, but overall they were great hard-nosed professional players um, and great quality people who we've kept in contact with, you know, over the years. And Jeff, I've got to ask, and I'm, I'm not making this up, I've genuinely heard that people do ask you whether or not you realised there were people on the pitch at that moment. I imagine you were busy on something else. Well, I, I did some theatre shows last year. They've gone fairly well, and we're going to do a series of uh, theatre shows, in fact, starting this week, over the next uh, two or three months. And uh, at the end of the theatre shows, we have about 20 minutes where we uh, uh, allow the people in the audience to ask questions. And the, the, there's, I won't mention both. There's too long to talk about both questions. Um, one, the other one's a really stupid one. It's too long for me to tell you. It's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> but the, the, the other ridiculous question I get asked, did I realise there were people on the pitch? And, of course, I jokingly say, yes, I was just about to, to shoot to score the goal. And I looked round, put my foot on the ball, and looked round for a little while, and said, "Oh dear, there are six or seven people running on the pitch." So that—I've uh, had been asked that once at one of the theatre shows. <laughs> so I joke, make a joke about that, and saying, "Yes, I put my foot on the ball and waited, but just had a, look, had a glance round, you know." Maybe it does prove there are things that, such as stupid questions, really. Um... Oh yeah, there are. There certainly are. I've got another one which I won't bore you with. It won't be too long to tell you. Uh, I was in a Jersey or Channel Lines, Jersey or Jersey, two or three years ago, and most stupid, irrelevant questions, absolutely nothing to do with football whatsoever, which uh, was absolutely, but I can use that now because it, it is quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe another time then, but we. Um, uh, well, you want me, I, I can tell you if you want, you want, you've got time, I can tell, I tell you if you want. Jeff, go on, go on. I think I'd be, it would be silly if I said no at this point. Okay, so I was uh, doing a. a at a dinner in the Channel Lines, three or four hundred people, black tie dinner, uh, guest of honour. Mm-hmm. On this occasion, I was speaking for about 20 minutes, then allowing uh, questions from the audience at the end of the evening. And there was usual football questions. And then all of a sudden, I heard a, somebody at the back who 
who asked the question. I didn't quite hear what he said. He didn't have the microphone with him. So I said, I didn't hear what he said. Can you please give mm. this chap the microphone so I can hear clearly what he said? So the chap had the mic and he said, when a turtle loses its shell, is it naked or is it homeless? Right. <laughs> what a question. What a question. Uh, well, I think that would be in, definitely in the stupid category, wouldn't it? So we had a laugh about that. Is- uh, well, uh, and we, that you've got to have a patient of a saint, I think, sometimes to put up with <laughs> well, things no, like that. Just, but then I, again, I found it amusing. I just found it amusing. In fact, some of the audience found it highly amusing as well. So it, it, uh, um, it did make it again, laugh if you, that if you can put up with my questions, you can probably put up with uh, anything. <laughs> um, but there, there would have become a point, though, um, Jeff, I think um, you, you were a young man when see this happened when you must have realized that people teammates began looking at you for leadership um is that something that occurred to you or did you just realize that by by quick one way or the other people actually begin to look up for you for inspiration well possibly that's never really struck me until you've actually mentioned it now quite frankly that's a new a new question mm. does anybody look up to me I'm sure perhaps uh, there are there are people who pay you compliments of the fans of, of West Ham and uh, of Stoke and of course in, uh, England fans who um, I, I think probably uh, it would be very immodest of me to to suggest I, I felt that somebody was looking to me for inspiration. Um, you, but, you don't but, have to, but I will. No, well, um, it's, it's okay for a third party to do it. Perhaps, um, perhaps that may have been the case over the years. Uh, people look at you, and um, uh, maybe uh, it has a uh, helpful effect. Uh, but I do think you, you, how you behave and set examples on and off the pitch is people must realise that that's, that has an influence. How you react and behave mm. to, to situations on and off the field surely probably has an impact to younger players coming in into the team latterly. Um, yeah. And and with that, looking at um, uh, football today, uh, is there anybody that you think particularly on the field or the sidelines that strikes you as someone with um, those qualities that you could identify in a, in a natural leader? Um. Well, a player, current players, you mean? Oh, players, managers, anybody that uh, you look to today, really? Well, I think some of the outstanding. I think the, the, the best example about a, a leader and at the moment is is, is uh, Klopp at Liverpool. Mm. He has been absolutely fantastic to uh, acquire the players and get them to their attitude. is absolutely fantastic. They're great players, but... There's more than just being good players in football. It's that a good player with a fantastic attitude and their willingness to work for each other and the team is absolutely outstanding. Hence these unbelievable results. There are, you know, and the great players not always succeed as, as individuals or probably even uh, certainly as a team if you haven't got the right attitude alongside it. And they're probably, and that, that comes through the leadership. That's not just... Luck. Absolutely. That's, that's absolutely leadership. He'd be the best example, of course, in, in football terms today. Uh, easily, easily. And of course, but going back not that long ago, Alex Ferguson, who's just absolutely mm. 
you've got to take him as a first example because Klopp's only done this over a period of time, a short period of time. But if you look at the 25, 26, 27 years that Alex Ferguson did with Manchester United and subsequently since he's gone, how they they are not doing so well. He's the best example of management I've seen, we've seen, we've probably ever seen. And I don't think anybody will see the light of that kind of leadership again. It's absolutely astonishing, astonishing. And do you think, could you imagine uh, Sir Alf or even Ron Greenwood managing teams today? Yes, I think so. I think, yes, no, mm. no question at all. I think they, uh, Ron Greenwood, yeah, the answer is straightforward. The answer is yes. Um, they, <laughs> the straightforward answer is yes. I can elaborate as much as you want, but the straight answer is absolutely categorically yes. Uh, and with, um, and I know uh, if we could talk about this probably for the next hour or so, but um, I'm conscious of the um, time. Um, looking um, back uh, through your um, playing career, perhaps especially um, your time uh, for England. Who was it uh, that struck you more than anyone else on the pitch uh, that displayed qualities of not just leadership but uh, companionship and and level headedness that you think that have stuck with you all these years later? Well, I think we were very fortunate, and I wouldn't take any one player out. I think looking at so that, many. yeah, so many, and that's why we we're successful because we had so many. Um, showing all those qualities that you just mentioned uh, throughout the team, I think that that was outstanding, and uh, uh, and it's an opportunity to talk about uh, all of them in, in that breath. And there was nobody. And going back from an earlier earlier question for me, that um, all hard nosed professionals, good good teammates, mm. good socially, and that's why we kept in touch with each other on our golf days. Every year, uh, up until about five years ago, of course, with, with the uh, sadly dwindling yes. numbers, we we still got on. Our wives got on with, all together. All those years later, it didn't just finish after '66. That reunion, that camaraderie, that team spirit, mm. um, getting on with each other, lasted for, for a long, long, long time. And I wouldn't and- when it, when you put those those questions and how you categorise those. I would pick every one of the 11 players um, who you put in that category that were like that. There was nobody else. They were all outstanding. And I think that was a big part. I can't stress how big a part that was. And I've said that many, many times for the success of the team. We have some great players. We have some great players, of course. But without the attitude (laughs) alongside that, going back to an earlier question, we wouldn't have been as uh, ultimately, ultimately as successful. Exactly. Without that, you, the 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 whole will never be greater than the sum of its parts. But with it, yes, the word the word is team. the word is t- the word is team. Absolutely. And I always use the word team when I talk. Sometimes you know, together, everyone achieves more, and that that's the same in any walk of life. That, that's fundamental. And uh, lastly, uh, Jeff, looking if if you were to uh, give advice, and whether this is in sport or business or indeed any other walk of life. What would you identify, if you can, as the key tenant uh, that you can't go without in terms of leading a team, no matter what that team is? Single-mindedness, uh, single-mindedness, dedication, dedication to the job, um, 
thinking about that 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 role, that job in leadership all the time. It's a huge part of your life. But it, you, I don't think you can switch off when you're in, in business at the top level or sport at the top level. You may, you know, have a, have a couple of weeks holiday, but I'm even sure if, if these top managers and lead, leaders in all walks of life are away on holiday on a beach somewhere warm, I'm sure there's not, uh, there's, they will not switch off for, for two weeks um, and completely uh, not think about their role as the boss of an organisation. And I think that's, you completely focus, you're always thinking about uh, things, thinking about improvements, and it's just dedication and uh, uh, tuning your life to being successful. Excellent. Well, Jeff, on that point, thank you very much for joining us today. You're welcome. Very good to nice to have a talk about this and just go over this, go over the past and just uh, refresh my mem- my own memory about the quality of the players I grew up with. Excellent. Uh, another time, uh, it would be great to talk again. Thank, thank you, Jonathan. Thank you. This has been the Leaders Council podcast. Thank you for celebrating excellence and leadership with us. I have been your host, Matthew O'Neill. Until next time, goodbye. Thank you for listening to our podcast. The views expressed within the podcast do not reflect the views of the Leaders Council of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, its parent company or subsidiaries, members of staff, other guests, or any other person therein associated.